Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And welcome to No Small Roles Super Fan Chats. Uh, this is the podcast where we uh, nerd out over the amazing podcast No Small Roles. Uh, I am Super Fan Han, and I'm back. It's the other Han. <laughs> it's a different Han <laughs> to the last one. Yep. Uh, and it's not just me there are other people who nerd out over no small roles it isn't just me um so today we have super fans are we, are we doing this ourselves yeah do it yourself <laughs> okay, okay. i'm throwing it to you uh it's sam we've got pippa and jeremy hey i've been here the whole time <laughs> for every recording that we've ever done yeah yeah I, <laughs> I was, I, it was my idea to start it frankly <laughs> Uh, can I for once say just how excited I am to have a guest player in to speak while there is oh, another guest yes. player on the episode and also such a guest player. Uh, I think the fans are going to be so excited to hear your voice, Jeremy. I'm so excited to hear your voice. <laughs> oh, thank you. And I'm so excited that you're part of the Superfan crew now. We just yeah. we just keep yeah. getting more and more powerful every it's day. It's ever growing. Yeah. I mean, it's a shame that we couldn't have Lord Crumpet to, you know, oversee all of us, but it just means that we can... We could delve a little bit deeper. We could be naughty. <laughs> yeah. And I've seen how the sausage is made. I've been on the inside and I'm coming out to <laughs> oh, bring yes. secrets to the rest of you. I want to know how sausages are made. <laughs> it's it's not good. Are we talking about the sausage eating contest? Were you there for that as well? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I was all, I was, I've been in every recording for both this show and No Small Rolls, uh, <laughs> single episode. It's canon. Jeremy came up with the Peppa Pig one. Yep. Yep. I actually coined the term Abraca Lads. Oh uh, my they God. just stole oh, it. Oh, this is deep lore, everybody. I said it deep during lore. the break of the episode while I was sitting in the recording area <laughs> and they just stole it for the episode and never gave me credit. They haven't given you royalties or anything? No. You should be getting money every time they say that word. Maybe that's why Ben's so angry. <laughs> I fully plan to sue. <laughs> uh, I can't talk anymore about it. My lawyers have asked me to please <laughs> a litigation is in process. Yeah, we got to be careful. We, we do know that, if nothing else, the cast of No Small Roles are incredibly litigious. Oh. So watch out. But, you know, if you're feeling like you've been really hard done by and you want to get those frustrations out there, thank God we have the original Superfan handback uh, for all of your counselling needs. Oh, yes. Yeah. Woo. It's so good to have you back. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to be back. I'm really sad that 
that um, Lord Crumpet could also not be here. But the thing is, if you get two super fan hands in the same room, I hear it hastens the inevitable death of the universe. I so think it does. Yeah, yeah. Shouldn't do it. Starts it. Shouldn't do it. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. That checks We're out. We're saving the world by staying apart. <laughs> it's a real service that you're doing for the rest of us. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we try. We try. So which episodes are we discussing today? Like tons of them. All of them, I think. We're just yeah. starting from the beginning. <laughs> We're just going back to the beginning. Numbers one yeah. to fifty-three. Ooh. We're doing them all. And the thing is, they're no small episodes as well. Like they're all they're all meaty. <laughs> no small episodes. Sorry. Uh, to quote Nadpod, uh, this is these are some th- thick sodes. Yes, <laughs> thick sodes. Thick, thick uh, sodes. And to quote, to combine that with what you just said, Sam, some thick meaty sods thank you mm. <laughs> and they really are the thick juicy meaty sods um but yeah 48 to 53 mm-hmm. uh so it's there's quite a lot to get through in this one might be a, mm-hmm. a little bit longer episode but yes if you have not listened to those episodes this right here is your spoiler alert spoiler alert so yeah if you haven't caught up Go back and listen to it because, let's be honest, you want to hear more from Jeremy and Hannah. Cool, you've done that. Let's crack on. Episodes 48 and 49 are our Alfie episodes. Yay! 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 Guest player. Big love to Robbie. Robbie killing it. Coming in, continuing the No Small Roles tradition of having great guests. It was great, wasn't it? I know, right? Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) I say patting myself on the back. (laughs) (laughs) But no, you're absolutely right, though. It's true. It has been a stream of people who've just come in and killed it. Like, you know, the... I think we we talked about this in No Small Questions. The vibe in the room, or you can hear it in the podcast, is just, it's electric. People are excited. Mm. I also feel like, you know, um, Robbie should, uh, their character must have the tagline, I want to burn things. (laughs) The amount of times that Alfie was talking about, should we burn it down? Oh yeah, we'll do this and then we'll burn it down. (laughs) So good. So funny. And I I loved the sort of counterpart to Orin. Mm -hmm. Like so great to have two quite nervous, nerdy characters Mm. who loved similar things, but not quite. Just so great. Yeah. Yeah. Alfie really bought Orin out of his shell didn't they? Yeah. yeah. It was really nice. I think after all of that, the, the everything that happened with the wing thrups just before and this whole like artifices are evil uh, or annoying like my little cousin, it was kind of nice for them to just nerd out and also seeing how the rest of the party would react to that. It's like, oh, come on, you know, let's keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such intense uh, mad scientist energy that they brought. Yes. Uh, it was, it was, because re- I think Oren, in contrast, tends to be a lot more understated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now we have a, si- like you said, a similar person with like the same kind of nervous energy, but now it's like, their energy is like, I, who knows what's going to happen? Uh, and it could explode in <laughs> yeah. a moment. I really yeah. enjoyed that. And it's really nice how um, it shows like the diversity of the artificer as well. So you've had Oren being very much mechanical. Yeah. And then we're sort of starting to see the kind of more alchemical side of an artificer and how those, you can have more than one artificer in a party and it, they complement each other really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because w- one thing that was really clever about, you know, Orin's is that everything he makes is deliberate. Like he knows what he's trying to do and he puts something together that has that desired effect. Whereas Alfie, is, it's a lot more like, yep. I don't really know what's about to happen, but <laughs> it'll be fun. It will do something. Oh, the absolute chaos was fantastic because they, of course, they needed more chaos in the party. It wasn't chaotic enough. <laughs> Just throw in a little bit more. <laughs> no, so never good, enough though. chaos. Oh, my God. 
I I loved it. I have to take my non-existent hat off to Robbie as well for kind of incorporating that element of the alchemist uh, into mm-hmm. the ca- into the the character because for those of you who haven't really read much artificer stuff, uh, the alchemist literally like chaos is built in. They make a concoction every day. They don't know what it'll do. They just hand it to you or they drink it themselves and then they have to roll to see what'll happen. So there's like a, yeah, there's like an element of like unpredictability built in with that uh, subclass. Yeah, kind of like the wild magic sorcerer of the artificer, which I think is exactly what it needed. Mm. That class just because like you say, it's so completely different. But, you know, we've had we've had three very different styles of artificer across this one, you know, who just kind of makes things that work out of whatever he can find and, you know, put together. Yeah. You've got the the proper, I can imagine, like, you know, scientist in a lab, the wing thrups, that kind of thing going on where everything is clean and sleek and very futuristic. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. you've got this just like slapdash bish bash bosh creator of frosting mm. which was also a big reveal <laughs> oh yeah that was <laughs> yeah, yeah that yeah. was wild i did want to say really quickly i want to also commend robbie for making a character that felt like they fit in so well right off the bat like yeah. they came and spoke to the party and sure there was like some standoffishness because like who is this person yeah but i feel like they could have been alfie could have been a member of the party for like the rest of the campaign and i would have been like yeah that works oh easily oh, yeah. absolutely like, it just fits i was so yeah. gutted when they left <laughs> Yeah. We'll have to bring them back. Yeah, yes, yes please do. Need to find find reasons to bump into Alfrey again. Absolutely. We also, um, in this episode, got introduced to the members of the Hex in quite yeah. a bit more detail. Yeah. That, so, yeah, we found out, yeah, Alfie has been working with the Hex, has been yep. making frosting, has... Um, has been making it for them and they're kind of like trying to track them down yep. <laughs> their response was to burn down the burn down the <laughs> <Yeah>. building <laughs> no small measures <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> but it was just it was just such a brilliant kind of like you know particularly any time that Alfie bumped into any of these members of the Hex was like oh hello there yeah. you know there wasn't like a you're going to be tracking me down in order to kill me. It was just a, what What are you doing here? <laughs> it was, yeah, it was there's a complete naivety to it, wasn't there? Like yeah. bumping into Flash on the road while they've been hiding in, in barrels in an alleyway. Uh, they've literally been hiding in these crates from the Hex and then sees a member yeah. of the Hex. It's like, oh, hello there. He's like, oh yeah, I'm not looking for you. I'm looking for somebody else and just walks off. And they're like, oh, cool. Um, <laughs> just, yeah, like you say, added to the chaos of that episode. That really lovely, unassuming manner where they just seem to have no concept of danger until it is far too late just made it so much more fun and yeah really added to that chaos which was just fantastic to listen to but even the even the character creation was was kind of chaotic because what was quite nice about what david did in this one was he kind of he gave the players the chance to introduce these npcs he kind of said like oh and what do they look like and yeah. then it was fully their creation in a lot of ways. It's, oh, they're a halfling. So it's like, oh, okay, well, that's going to be the, the pickpocket then. And, you know, that, that was the one that then moved through the crowd. And um, I hope we meet them again as well. Because Hoot, mm-hmm. I found very interesting. Yes. I've got the names written down, just in case we want to discuss them yeah, one by one. Yeah, please do. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Please tell us all of these side cut all of the or names. undercut members. Like, I'm using every single one with, what is it, a side cut haircut? What's the name yeah, of it? Yeah, with the shaved yeah, back. Yeah, the, si- yeah. the, sh- the <laughs> shaved Long on side. the shaved side. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you have Malleus Cordnut, who was the tiefling who was kind of in charge of the group of them. So cool. Working together. Excellent fan art from Karen already. Oh, it was brilliant, wasn't it? Then you've got Agala, who's the half-elf. It's the one with all the hidden daggers. Mm-hmm. That's the one who goes into the Knotted Strings Tavern initially. That's the first one we meet. 
Uh, then we've got who, as you said, who's the one who looks like Baby David. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. <laughs> You've got uh, Flash, who was the halfling with the white hair and the shaved sides. Uh, we briefly meet, uh, I think they called him Heiser, who was the half-orc who was just guarding the entrance to the oh, yeah. factory briefly, just opened the door, let them in. And then the only one we didn't actually meet was called Marabi. And I'm wondering if they were the drunken hooded figure mm, who we yeah. never actually yeah. bumped into. I would imagine so. I didn't know if, yeah, that was supposed to be Hoot, but then it, it didn't make sense because they could hear Hoot and Hoot was keeping track of them, yeah. but they didn't know mm-hmm. where Hoot was. I think was. Hoot might have been on a rooftop somewhere or something. Or in the DM chair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so that Marabi was not at the carpet factory when they burnt it down. So, assumedly, they are still out there, mm-hmm. up to no good. In one of the other many burning buildings in this city. Mm-hmm. At this yeah. point. <laughs> I very much subscribed to the uh, TV series theory where if you don't see a body, they didn't die. Yeah. Yep. And sometimes even if you do That's see a very a body, common D&D rule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially in D&D where you can just bring somebody like, back. Like Enkidu. <laughs> even if you see a body, that's not the end. <laughs> I'm wondering, what do you think? Is this just like a drug operation or is, or is there something bigger at play here? Because they seem to have influence in a number of areas. Yeah, wasn't there something going on? They were trying to piece together how the consortium were involved with the Hex. Yeah. Like there seemed to be things getting connected, which were pretty spooky. So yeah, that, that comes up with the the chat with Heron and uh, Professor Keir de Tagan, uh, like later in this uh, series of episodes, they do talk about how Oratrix, who they already had their suspicions about back with the Faceless Footman stuff in Rostall, mm. uh, but the Oratrix might have been, or it's kind of, it's a kind of known thing that Oratrix has been trying to build connections between the crime syndicates and the consortium yeah. in order to kind of locate these artifacts. So yeah, I mean that could be a cover for what they're really doing, and there could be something much much larger at play. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. And we've also that we uncovered and managed to um, sneak it out of Robbie in the no small questions <laughs> yeah. about Alfie's previous connections to another group, and that they briefly were a member of the Arcanist Consortium themselves. Ooh. Yeah, so they didn't say where they were in this hierarchy. Um, no, this is true. Uh, I don't know whether, you know, were they an apprentice, scholar, you know, did they make Quite it possibly. up to being an actual Arcanist? Um, I doubt they were on the... the- the high seats um <laughs> i don't think you would let i don't think, I don't think no. people would let alfie on demise <laughs> not once he burnt it all down oh, anyway alfie's very brainy though so and you know a lot of this is about history and research and... but you don't you don't want somebody who's gonna blow up the building by accident well no but i suppose that might <laughs> but, be why they got or let if go. they see something wrong they're gonna burn it <laughs> down is the naivety all a cover and Alfie is secretly an incredibly sharp criminal mastermind who is just oh, no. pretending to be so, like, all over the place. And actually, they know exactly what they're doing. Alfie is Kaiser Soze. Yes! <laughs> yes! That's what we're saying! <laughs> uh, we never heard their surname, did we? Maybe it's Soze. Noble, I think. Maybe the middle name then. <laughs> yes. It's <laughs> Soze. The greatest trick the goblin ever pulled. It's convincing the world it didn't exist. So, um, yeah, this episode, episode 48 going into episode 49, our kind of cliffhanger, if you like, is that they've done lots of sneaking around and Juna is bumped into and then the tea caddy is no longer strapped around her. And that's yeah. the end of that episode. And then the start of the the next episode and the rest of the the Alfie arc is about trying to retrieve the tea caddy and 
you know, put paid to the hex. Yes, the tea caddy and Alfie's journal, right? Mm -hmm. They're trying to get Alfie's journal. That's right. Yeah, the notebook back. It it did kind of make you think like why... Or I'm guessing it probably made the party think as well. Like, is it the best idea to keep all of your key items in one place? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because they kind of listed it and there was so much in that tea caddy that they quite easily could have never seen again. Yeah, that's a common thing in D&D parties for like one person to be carrying all the stuff, usually in a bag of holding. But that does that does raise the question of like, is it better to diversify your investments, so to speak, uh, by putting like having a number of containers possibly on the bodies of multiple people uh, or on the persons of multiple people. Or, yeah, and have a situation where maybe multiple people could access them. Yeah. I mean, as a DM, it's kind of like uh, a really great opportunity to really mess up the party and, and really challenge them. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Puts a target to somehow get rid of like the bag of holding, the tea caddy. Yeah. Just oops. Yeah, because it is like you say, Jeremy, like one of those things where as a party, you're like, ah, I don't want to deal with like carry weights. Let's just stick it all in the bag of holding. I can't be bothered. It goes in there. It's going to hold it. And then actually it really opens you up to getting screwed over massively if your DM is feeling particularly evil on any given day. Yeah. Like the bag man. Are you familiar with the bag man? No. No. Please, please tell. Oh, this was a creation in, um, in Ravenloft. That also has like the Dampier and the Reborn, uh, which I'm still baffled as to how new and key two is not a Reborn. <laughs> uh, because every single, like the only thing that he doesn't have is the knowledge of a past life. But, uh, it's, there's like a legend in there that there's this being called the Bagman who, co- he's basically a scary dude who comes out of bags of holding. <laughs> and like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll read you, I'll read you the description. Uh, from, I think it's called The Explorer's Guide to Ravenloft. Uh, oh, Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, that's what it is. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, So, yeah. The Bagman is an urban legend about an adventurer who sought to escape doom by abandoning his party and hiding inside a bag of holding, but then I think it was like, he got, he got lost in there, uh, and then eventually he became like a monster. And now every night the Bagman slips out of a random bag of holding. Oh my god. If he doesn't find his home, he drags someone back into the bag with him, <laughs> and leaves behind some trinket from his hidden kingdom of lost junk. <laughs> Some say that if you speak too loudly over an open bag of holding or whisper, follow my voice, into a magic storage space three times, the bagman will come for you. Oh my god, it's D&D Bloody Mary. With his ghost cow. <laughs> yes, with the ghost, ghost cow. cow. You'll know his approach by the, <laughs> by the ethereal moo that you hear echoing. Anyway, throwing this out for you, baby David, if you ever listen to this. He listens. The bagman. Uh... <laughs> How can you escape? It's an interdimensional monster. It just could cover around. You could fully build a whole mini campaign around the Bagman. Oh, yeah. There's no stat block either. So you could just decide what level it is and yeah, whether so it just great. it just instantly drags them into the bag. <laughs> Maybe the, the, the Bagman is somehow tied to the, the, the Faceless Footman. Uh, in some way and it's like an incarnation in like an extra like an or or maybe even a, an old associate of someone like from the Wingthrups or the consortium or something who got like during like exper- experiments got like lost in a bag of holding or something anyway that would be cool i love this because david gets his ideas from this i think sometimes he he alters his ideas because he's like oh yeah that's evil based on what hannah uh, says so- <laughs> yeah. Ooh. So, <laughs> Ooh, this is exciting. I really hope that episode 54, you. The Bag Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they come back and re record episode yep. 54. They just stick in the Bag Man mini arc just right in the middle. Oh, yeah. brilliant. 
I feel like it would just like pull you into like one big bag that has like millions of different openings and you're like you're running through and you gotta like jump out of another bag and you're in a completely different part of the world or in a different plane oh. and then you gotta like find another bag it's kind of like the end of monsters inc um but, <laughs> yeah, but actually doors. scary yeah <laughs> <laughs> popping in and out i love Ooh. it we may have got sidetracked from the episode we were discussing uh, yeah well yeah. we were talking about yeah the the caddy of holding uh going missing and i just kind of yeah where do you think that would have left them if they if they hadn't got that back? With no Ruana. Yeah, oh, yeah. just screwed. Yeah. <laughs> screwed. No Ruana and no more Twain Tide tea. I mean, that's the real tragedy. Oh, no Twain Tide. <laughs> yeah. What would Juno you do? you got to end the campaign at that point. You can't, <laughs> there's nothing left to live for. There's no coming back. <laughs> yeah, you got to stop. Vicky would have to like leave and come back as a different character. <laughs> Something I kind of wanted to bring up. There was the letter from Treya. Yes. Uh, kind of commanding people of the Hex. And there was another thing which uh, they kind of worked out was like anagram based, but it was like a, a, a lot book, um, a log book of the, the various lots that were happening. Did you guys like have a little bit of a, a play with that to try and figure out what it meant? I have theories. Well, they, they really poked it in episode 50 and then mm. just didn't. Come back yeah, because Gaia stole the papers in this episode, didn't yeah. he? And then they looked at them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had a whole co- talk about it. I was going to bring up the guy um, from the office who left with the rod just as Orin disguised oh, as Flash. Rings. Uh-huh. Rings guy. He was really sweaty. Mm-hmm. The sweaty rings man. Him. I, I think we're going to see a lot more of him. Interesting. What makes you think that? <laughs> it was just the way that David was very specific and said he was covered in rings. And then we get this letter being delivered or due to be delivered to rings with an anagram of one that we haven't worked out yet. Well, so I, I did have a go at this one, and the only anagram that I could find uh, for yeah. for Dr. Lichen or Dr. Lichen uh, is children. Yeah. But I didn't know if it is children what it's referring to, or if this is just some kind of like really creepy thing that they're doing with those carpets. And it's not about drugs anymore. It's about body snatching. Would you um, put it past the hex? Probably not. But yeah, that, that's literally the what, only thing. Like I... human trafficking? Well, not human. Well, yeah, I, I, I couldn't think trafficking. what children would mean. Humanoid trafficking. Yeah. Humanoid, that's it. Whoa. What's the whole, what's the whole sentence that it's in? Uh, lot 066, so Order 66. Very Star Warsy. Lot 666 then. <laughs> like the beginning of Phantom of the Opera. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Lot 066 to Dr. Lycan due to be received by rings in Red Lorraine, which I think they worked out was was Medravane. Medravane. Yeah. Yeah. Which is where Ringy Guy is. Yeah. That's interesting. The, the idea that it's something to do, something being given to children or being taken from children. Or if they're mm. the children of something or... Yeah. I mean, I d- the only thing I wondered was whether Gaius was talking about his mum being head of this kind of rival crime syndicate. Mm-hmm. Her, you know, Brutus, Cassius and Treya yeah. are her children. Yeah. Uh, and I wondered whether that was anything to do with it. It's like, it's going to the children. Hmm. Potentially, maybe. I don't know. That could work. Ooh. That's the only connection I could instantly think of, of like information we've already been given. Hmm. But I don't know. We'll wait and see. You never know. Could it be tied to the Wingthrops? Ooh. Oh, because they, yeah. Well, because it's like, there's the whole thing about the Wingthrop children and like they, they put their children through like, diff- you know, they're having to do all these tests yeah. and mm. they're, they keep like close track of their children. Uh, and so I imagine Wingthrop children are a valuable commodity so to speak, Ooh. to somebody who might be interested in, like, 
maybe utilizing them to help design things or being like, this is the future of, you know, of the whole kingdom in, ter- in terms of like manufacturing and development and stuff. I've just had a thought. Could children on a similar line, Jeremy, could children refer to the like humanoid bodies that the one like Enkidu has, like those are the children that the Wingthrops are manufacturing? Oh, I like that as well. Oh, ouch. <laughs> oh. Like, yeah, I guess there is to some degree, uh, like, Enkidu, even though he still has the memories of old Enkidu, he, there is, like, the, the children of that system that they've created. Yeah, yeah. Like, he was birthed from, by them. Yeah, like Erida's children. Yeah. Child of Erida. <laughs> That's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah, the other ones were lots A67 to 72, uh, to Room Tunics, which I think was an mm. anagram of Consortium. Which yeah. is worked out by the the professor actually, uh, received by Academic Owen Lost Cool, and the other one was D one three three to one nine four, or and one nine four to Stu Burr, maybe Brutus, uh, received yeah. by Little Brother in Toy the Sky, which Foydery. But yeah, I mean that that was the one that really stuck out to me because I can, I, I liked the idea of a Doctor Lycan. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> this person is just like moss uh, in your face. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to throw out an idea. This is not directly related to what we're talking about, but the idea of like Enkidu. Yeah. I was trying to think this party, because of their class makeup, don't really have access to much in the way of resurrection stuff. Mm -hmm. But for future reference to anyone listening, if the party were to, say, find a powerful druid who could cast reincarnate, it might behoove them to collect genetic information from everyone just so that in the event of what happened in, to Enkidu, they could just bring back the original person. Oh, yeah, that's clever. That is clever. And because I don't like this whole Erida can see and hear everything that Enkidu does uh, situation where he's he's basically a walking spy camera yeah. and microphone, yeah. no matter what he tries to do. They've created a per- permanent sensor in Enkidu, yeah. who can just move yeah. around, and we don't, we haven't seen his his physical um, attributes be locked up yet. But I'm I'm sure there must be some kind of like kill switch in him of just like nope, shut you down. Ooh. Like if he ever tries to oppose Erida, she can just be like, nah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're going in a direction that she doesn't want. She can just turn yeah. him around and walk in the other way. Potentially. I mean, we have <laughs> when he's fulfilled his mission and he's no longer useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What happens if Erida tries to override him and then one of the people, one of his friends, so to speak, inside of him, tries to, like, take over at the same time? Era 404. I kind of love that. <laughs> Enkidu not found. Yeah. <laughs> like, where does Enkidu go? Back into the Codex. <gasps> oh, <laughs> I don't no. know. I'm laying oh, stuff man. up now. Oh, my God. What if it's like a power battle and then Gilgamesh actually, like, takes over Erida and becomes the, the, the Codex and, like, you know takes over well, all, like, of all of that because his will is stronger the... well but like that's actually a good question if all these people were inside of Enkidu and Enkidu was taken into the codex that means and these those people are still present that must have mean they took all of them into the codex as well yep yep unless it was like Enkidu's body was destroyed and they all just sort of floated around hanging out like, would just be like well what do we do now just, yeah chilling yeah. in the ethereal plane like well this is awkward yeah, and then Enkidu comes back and then they just reattach. When they went to the triangle room down in, in the um the Wingfot place, and they went to try and talk to Enkidu before new Enkidu burst into the scene holding the head and things, they said that as the triangle came up and his sort of hologram came up, you could see flickers of all the other patrons oh, yeah. inside his head. You could see little images of them. So they're in there too. Ooh, mm. Spooky. 
Yeah, I don't know whether it's it's them though, or if it's like Enkidu's thoughts of them manifested. Like I don't, we we weren't sure whether it was there. I mean, there wasn't I a mean, hell of a lot of personality in the codex anyway. We don't even know Enkidu is Enkidu. Enkidu might be someone completely <laughs> yeah. different. We still haven't pinned that one down. Hannah's still suspicious. Right, yeah, we don't know what like the soul. Yeah, where is the soul that was Enkidu? Mm. Is the soul that is was Enkidu put into this body, or did they just copy? all of Enkidu's information, like, from his brain, which, of course, took the information, not just of his perception, but if we're assuming that those people were, like, also inside of his brain, mm-hmm. it also copied them as well. Yeah. And copied yeah. all of their information so that they're all just in there. I would love to see, like, Gilgamesh versus Erida, and then they discover that, like, <laughs> there are technically just two Enkidus now. Because even though this Enkidu has a soul, it what's not the same soul as the original Enkidu, whose soul has just oh. been chilling out somewhere else. Oh, oh my god. god, and the end game is going to be Enkidu fighting himself. Yeah. <gasps> well, I mean, I do wonder what's going to happen with this demonologist. Um, I'm really you know, excited whether, for that. Whether some big kind of... I mean, the thing is, they were put onto the path of going to the demonologist by Erida, I believe. Mm. It was it was yeah. Erida that kind of said, like, oh, you should go see this person. So I don't know why, you know, this person would be able to get rid of Erida, for example. But I'm I'm really looking forward to that information. And I think, uh, well, we, we know Daryl is. Um, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> Maybe yeah. that's what Erida wants, though, is that she wants Enkidu to go to the demonologist so that he can remove his patron so that she can take him over completely. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, yeah. And then Bagman can get him. Yes. <laughs> I do feel like, though, there is something to, to, to the idea that uh, all of these people are inside of the Codex as well. Like Agent Smith in the Matrix. Yeah. Like yeah. they accidentally yeah. absorbed basically viruses that have just... Yeah. Maybe that's why they're going to the demonologist. is because Erida doesn't know how to get rid of them from yeah. the Codex. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I need to figure She's this out. She's <laughs> accidentally downloaded a virus and she needs yeah. like a demon hacker to get this him thing, out. Yeah, and Kidu came with malware. Yeah. <laughs> She's got five Trojan horses. Alcibiades, that's restricted to higher-ranking family members. Stop it! <laughs> I love this anyway, we, idea. We've become really sidetracked from the episode that we were talking about. <laughs> yeah. I love that every time you chat about things, though, you always have to talk about the Enkidu moment. It's it's yeah. been such a game changer in terms of like how they're playing this. Um, it's so like unexplored. It's so yeah. unexplored, yeah. but so massive. Like we did mm. have the Gaius and Enkidu like conflict that kind of emerged, where Guy is like saying some yeah. wild stuff <laughs> just to try and get a rise out of him. Yeah. But still, like, yeah, we don't really. There's a lot to go into there. Well, there was, mm-hmm. yeah, I, th- I feel like it's within this, this like six episode stream, there is like a Gaius and Kidu moment where he's like, I'm sorry, dude. Yep. Uh, it's in episode yeah. 50. And there I can talk about that in a minute. <laughs> but there are a few, I think there are a couple more Alfie things. Yeah. Let's, let's not stop talking about Robbie. Um, mm-hmm. Because one of the things I think that I just loved so much about Alfie was the dyslexia. Yes. yes. Oh, that was one nines, of my absolute favorite things yep. I think I've ever seen anyone introduce into a character in in a D&D campaign that actually has a functional uh, ramification in terms of the plot and like the mechanics of what they're trying to do. Yeah, it was all cleverly, really cleverly wrapped up together. And also, as well as that, made it made the character instantly relatable. Like, you know, we... Because giving a character struggles like that, but how they've overcome it and actually have become uh, like super important, uh, you know, th- this this working is like they are the only person that could do this working as well. Um, 
it kind of turned Alfie into this three-dimensional character for me. It's like, oh, they've got these flaws that they've had to overcome, but they're still like hyper-intelligent. Yeah, I thought that was a really nice touch. And just yeah. some wonderful neurodivergent representation that felt so organic. Like, it, it felt so just integral to the character and what was going on for them that it didn't feel like, oh, I'm sticking this in for like a purpose. It, it just was them and it just... yeah really made it such a, a rich experience with them in the party. It was mm-hmm. so great. I 100% agree. Yeah, definitely. How concerned? How worried? Where do we think we're going with this kind of superior frosting? And the fact that Alfie's developed this way of super boosting frosting so that it doesn't only make people suggestible, it also makes them be able to harm themselves or others. Yeah, that's worrying, I mean, That's it? bad. It's yeah. objectively quite bad. I would say. I mean, just also the fact that if they don't already have this information from Alfie's book, because they didn't possess it for that long, if they don't, they now definitely know it's a possibility because Alfie shouted all of this in the zone of truth with Flash. Mm -hmm. So they'll know that it's a possibility. It it reminds me of sort of like a running theme of this campaign, which I'm going to talk about more with episode 51, which is that there are so much stuff going on in the background that we just have not really like, oh, the Winthrops have a massive army. Yeah, I'm sure that'll be important later. Guys, the <laughs> yeah, 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 faceless yeah. footman is still out yep. there. There's that whole thing. They just never yeah. did anything about that. They just left it. Like, oh, the Hex have a super drug? Yeah, yep. like, eh, we'll get to it. The, the world, uh, Bebe David has done an amazing job of having the world continue to turn without the party, with, with or without the party's involvement. Stuff is going to keep happening. Yep. And then they'll come into contact. Like, they can go off and do whatever they want. But the, the, this stuff is going to keep butting in, and it's, and the longer they wait, the worse potentially it's going to get. Yeah. Uh, it, so, it's funny yeah. when you talk about those things, and it's like, yeah, okay, they should probably be the priorities, but it's pretty clear this party's priority is spoons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> spoons and making money. Right. <laughs> spoons, <laughs> money, bank. nice cup of tea. That's, that's sort of the top priorities of this gang. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's Abrica Lad's behavior, though. Oh, that's, yeah. That's yeah. absolutely yeah. Abrica Lad's <laughs> ethos. Abrica Lad's ethos. <laughs> Could get some spoons. Uh, the more spoons they have, the more weapons against a golem army, I guess. <laughs> the symbol of the Abrica Lad's is, in fact, a spoon. <laughs> <laughs> spoon With in the shape of a lightning like, bolt. <laughs> sprayed in it. Spoonful of frosting. Spoonful of frosting. A frosting-filled spoon. Oh my gosh. Oh god. But yeah, it's 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 got to have like ongoing ongoing problems. I I mean, surely we're going to see this a little bit later on or we're going to, you know, it's already been used for the followers. Will it be used on uh Prevos Prevos? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, time on Yeah, Prevos. will it be used on their followers in order to kind of like knock them off? That yeah, there's quite a lot of applications for this. But obviously the silver lining to this is that Alfie also mentions that there is a cure, that there's a way to get around it, yep. which is now it has now been passed on to Orin. So there's yes. there's there's hope. But again, like you say, Jeremy, they almost need to do something about that. Because <laughs> if they don't do something about that soon, it will have massive ramifications later. Like they kind of yeah. need to get that ball rolling, but I don't I don't Should think they will. Should we address the massive drug <laughs> epidemic? Yeah, I'm sure somebody we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Let's do the drinking like the, let's do the pub crawl first. Yeah. Like, let's finish the pub crawl. Oh god, so good. Which by the way, I'm a little confused as to the actual rules of the pub crawl. Is that episode 50 or is that episode 
Which episode is that? Uh, the pub crawl was before. They're like before halfway the, yeah. through the pub crawl. They're going from town to town collecting spoons and then they get uh, they get sidetracked from their spoon quest by Alfie. Yeah. Yes. How does the time, like, how? Do, I never quite understood how the timing of that actually works. He kind of left it open. He just said it was the first team. I can't remember how many spoons it was off the top of my head as well. Does anybody? I think it's 10. 10. Is it 10, 10 spoons? spoons. So, yeah, there's there's spoons dotted all over the place. And obviously you can fail a challenge. And it's like the first group to get back, like, you know, within the time frame. To of Twain like... Tide or to the Ferrigold Tea Fields with 10 spoons is the winners. That's the one. We, we have not been approaching this with much urgency either. No, no, this is, no. no. Not at all. If anything, this is the one that they're like, well, this can just go on whenever you're in those towns. But they're like, no, we need to go there so that we can get four spoons. And then we'll go to the next <laughs> one where we get six spoons. <laughs> Crazy. I mean, and their, their solution to doing it faster seems to be to try and mess up all the other teams by setting things on fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. I guess so. Yeah, because that first challenge with the jumping over the the posts, uh, the posts uh, mm. getting over there, that was right next to the pub that they were. That at, was on the bridge, yeah, yeah, near the near the pub, yeah. But it was quite a way away from the from the carpet factory, I think. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. In, in which case, it will probably take a while for the fire to reach there. But you know, thank God there was rain the next day. <laughs> it basically, just burned down a city. This is my other thing as well. I'm I'm pretty sure that when they're on the map, that Alfie definitely marked more than one location. Mm. Mm-hmm. But we only went to one location, which was the carpet factory. But I'm pretty yeah. sure that there were three. Yeah. And Alfie had already set fire to one. Then there was the carpet factory. There's still there's still one kind of untouched. Where they've got all the children. Well, there we go. Yep. Mystery solved. It's a good thing we didn't burn that one down. <laughs> yeah, that would have been terrible. Don't burn the horses. I'll burn the children. That's fine. <laughs> Priorities. R.I.P. Bessie. Oh. oh. And you were there. You were it's there, true. Jeremy. I was there. I was there. Thankfully, I did not facilitate it myself, but I was present. Yep. I saw the travesty, oh. the tragedy as it occurred. You saw it and you didn't stop it. No. Uh, Dwayne suddenly learns counterspell. Uh, like, no! uh, oh, God. Find that high level druid. Just bring the horse, the horse's body with you. All I that mean, time. if they find a way of getting Ruana back, I reckon yeah, that- she's a high level druid. Well, you know, Crow. Crow likes to bring things back from the dead, you know? He's not a druid. Yeah, but for Bessie. He's a menace. For Bessie, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could do... There's no paladins in the party. Let me see what can learn Find Steed. Because Find Steed could be a bit. <gasps> oh my god, Ghost Horse. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Gaius, what, when, are they, when they get to level 10, Gaius will get magical secrets. Ooh. So theoretically, he could choose to learn... Uh, find Steed and bring back Bessie. Or Gaius would be the one or as well. Phantom Steed and bring back the ghost of Bessie. Yeah, true. Let me see. Phantom Steed. Can Juna get that? I think yeah. Is it a sorcerer's? Spell? I think that might be. It's definitely in the Paladin wheel, but I think wizards can get it. Let me see if sorcerers can get it. Wizard. Oh, and the undead warlock. Come on. Well, <laughs> well, Gaius could learn either one. I mean, is Enkidu undead? I, I had a feeling he might be more towards Warforged, uh, mm-hmm. since there's there's some similar ability. But, you know, we know that David loves to homebrew things. We've seen a lot of this, you know, patron content, you know, where you can play mm-hmm. these different... I, I wouldn't be surprised if there are homebrew races in there as well, where, you know, they've kind of been able to pick 
the things that you liked about being human and a bit of Warforge thrown in there. You know, you don't want to make it too by the book. Otherwise, we'd just be like, well, it's Warforge. That was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Too obvious. Yeah. Although I do think a Reborn would have been cool. Mm. Uh, Have you all looked at the Reborn before? Not yet. I had a look when I was theorizing as to what happened. I think probably in the same way that that you did. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we had... Um, if any of you listen to, uh, the, sh- the podcast that I'm on, Three Black Halflings, we had, uh, in Outlaws and Obelisks, one of the party members was a reborn. Uh, he had, like, been, he basically died, so to speak, and then was brought back. And basically, it's, like, kind of your Frankenstein's monster subclass, where, like, Ooh. you have returned from the dead in some way, and so you're having trouble, re- you have an ability called, well, first of all, you don't need to sleep, you don't need to eat, you don't need to breathe, uh, I think you only need to rest for four hours, and basically all it is is you just sit there motionless, but you can still see and hear as normal. Um, you, is I this think, the one where you can you can change your ability and stuff. You can you can change like oh, I think I remember this. Like you, can, uh, if you decide that one thing isn't useful, you can respec it on a long rest. Maybe I'm gonna. I I know that you have an ability called knowledge of a past life, which is basically you remembering what used to happen and adding if you fail a or I I don't even know if it's if you fail. It may just be if you want to. Uh, you can roll a d6. Um, it's yeah. When you make an ability check that uses a skill, you can roll a d6 immediately after seeing the number on the d20 and add the number on the d6 to the check. And you can do that a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus. Wow. Uh, and you also have advantage on death saves. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. That's useful. And I suppose being a reborn, if you die, you can just be like, well, come back. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's a really cool, it's a really cool, it's, it's not even technically a race. It's a lineage. It's one of the gothic lineages. Uh, well, you know. Once Dwayne's done being a dragon, you can come back as a reborn. Sean yeah. Keeter has really done. I'll, I'll talk to David about getting, yeah, Dwayne killed off and brought no, back as a reborn. No, 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 and no. And he no, comes no. back. He's still got the glint, but he's missing a lot of his teeth. Like they've. <laughs> you know, it's just like, They're all artificial teeth now. So the glint is manufactured. He's got amazing veneers. He has a little button that he presses, that like, ding. Wing threat manufactured. Um, yeah. It's, uh, have we got any more kind of like that we want to chat about that, that happened over these episodes? Oh, I guess the last thing I would say is who was the leader? Mm. Who was the leader of that particular band of hex again? Uh, Malleus, Malleus Cordnut. Malleus. They were strong. Yeah. I hope they come back. Yeah. Like I hope they made it out of this fire. Yeah. When they whipped out a massive greatsword, I actually, to be fair, I actually thought they handled that fight really well. Like silence as soon as they went in there, the bottled smoke that was and a stuff, good, just yeah, to kind of like yeah. all of that confusion gave them the chance to get away. As soon as he pulled out that greatsword, it was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh no, <laughs> this is gonna go bad. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and we're rid of the fire battery now. Yeah, yeah. We are. yeah. Oh yeah, that was good. that. I loved that. that like, was a open it into the building. <laughs> that was amazing. Explosion. Given all the effort they put into trying to release the air one and do it in a really beautiful sending off way, kind of was quite fitting for the fire one to be like, mm. just blow it up. Use good. it as an explosive. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I loved uh, Robbie's comment as well of like, oh, why did I make them a tiefling? Uh, as they are fire <laughs> yeah. resistance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just a nice moment. I push the flaming spear. Oh, no, they're a tiefling. <laughs> I like the idea of uh, baby David being like, they're not that kind of tiefling. And they suddenly unfurl wings and come flying out the window <laughs> towards the party. Just like, you're not getting away! Oh, gosh. <laughs> I mean, there is a chance for them to come back and have wings. So this is true. true. As a reborn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and fight in the sky. Oh, That would be so cool. 
someday. Uh, yeah. Who's uh? Who was episode fifty? Me. I had episode fifty, and I tell you what, guys. In terms of actual action, not much happened. But my <laughs> God, was there a lot of stuff? Yeah. In this episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get some small things out of the way first. Cool. Uh, Tiny Owlbear. Oh my god! Yes. Tiny Owlbear. Oh, oh my goodness! Just throwing some cuteness in there. That was adorable. And at the end of the episode, Juna literally throwing the tiny Albert at Gwen, <laughs> which was yep. fantastic. And yeah, there was that whole, they kind of started pulling apart the, the papers to try and figure out what the anagrams were and mm-hmm. where everything was going. So that kind of happened at the beginning of the episode. Mm. And because the letter was from Treya, Gwen sort of nudged Gaius into revealing all the backstory. All oh, the backstory. Was so cute. <laughs> Which was similar to what he said to Gwen, yeah. but had so much more detail this time. Yeah. Yes. And so much more elaboration of the actual relationships and what happened. And was just so moving. And Chris actually teared up at the end. Yeah. yeah. You could hear it in his voice. It was yeah. amazing. I, I mean, I, I felt very tearful as well. I was so it was so gripping. And involving to hear the way he told it. Yeah, I mean, well, that's his real story. Uh, it's, it's it's very tailored to his actual life. Really? In real life? Wow. <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> Chris lost half of his face. And like, yeah. Actually, <laughs> have you not noticed? To his evil siblings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who are the heads of a crime syndicate. Wow, Chris, I'm sorry you had to go through all that. Yeah, but, you know, at least he's podcasting for us. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was amazing. And he, I don't know, you know, I want to say that that is the whole truth of Gaius's backstory, but I'm still, I've still got my suspicions that there are a couple of things that were changed or don't quite fit. Mm -hmm. And that he's just this, like, like the sweet, innocent one who, you know, with the big bad siblings and, oh, you know, I just snuck into people's houses because it was fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, sure. Yeah. All right. Like, there are just a few things where Gaius's proficiency at lying is so good that I, I'm still very, very suspicious. It's true. If if moved, I am suspicious. Well, I mean, it, it does kind of, uh, you know, tie it into the story of Julius Caesar. And obviously with Julius Caesar, there's that argument at the end that they did that to uh, Gaius because he was too ambitious so i don't know whether maybe chris has put a bit of that in there and he just has kind of gone with the like woe is me you know they they got Mm. me because i was always mum's favorite and i was the musician and Mm. uh you know a bit more kind of flamboyant but you know was he did he overstep himself in some way or in their eyes did he overstep himself that they thought no we got to deal with this guy because otherwise if he's just around like playing music and stuff why do you need to blow his face off Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I do think there was a heck of a lot of truth in it, and he is starting to open up a little bit more. Yeah, which is yeah. cute. It only took fifty episodes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the interaction, the interaction he has with Enkidu around coming clean about how he's been trying to test him to see if he really is still the same Enkidu and if he can still trust him. Yeah, and he mm-hmm. says, "I threw myself off a waterfall to test it to see if you'd catch me, yeah. and you didn't. <laughs> you also slapped me." Yeah, <laughs> which, which is very Enkidu which was great yeah. so I think that was really lovely but I think it just shows that really detailed approach that Chris kind of has to the way he relates to the other characters mm. like there's a lot of complexity in there I think it's particularly nice to see his character open up 
Only because, you know, as the listener, you know how much he's lying. And even even the characters know how much he's lying. They just can't mm-hmm. nail it down that it is a lie. But, you know, for, for him to open up the most elusive character, just, you know, it's kind of like, like you say, it's been 50 episodes, but clearly the bond has become strong enough now that he's willing to uh, risk them being like, oh, why have you lied to us all this time? And potentially be quite upset about this new revelation and him not being fully on board. But actually, you know, he knew that they would welcome him and you know kind of accept this information and mm-hmm. i think juna said something like oh you know we we all take our own time to get to these things which was just kind of like yeah. a really beautiful way of of accepting him and all of his uh his past so sweet yeah. looking forward to that coming up in later episodes though yeah. yes a bit of treyer and brutus and all of those shakespearean epics coming out of us mm. well because as they say even in the episode like chris says you know treyer keeps coming up and that's one of the things that prompts guys to talk about it because, like, she's not going away. She's around. Mm, yeah. I want to uh, just also take, again, my non-existent hat off to Chris. Uh, because, look, <laughs> this was 50 episodes of build-up uh, to a very, very big emotional scene for his character. And he absolutely crushed it. It's rewarding, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, my God, it was amazing. Knocked it out of the park. It did not feel like, well, we could have had this, like, 30 episodes ago. Like, it didn't feel like that sort of thing, you know what I mean? It felt like, it felt like, wow, man. Yeah. All right. And it was like an actual development for the character and show that there's more, there's still more places for these people to go uh, in their relationships with each Definitely. other. Definitely. Yeah. As yeah. well. Absolutely. Imagine the asterisk he's put on for episode 100. Can't wait for that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's when uh, you actually meet the family and the real yeah. backstory comes out. Well, this is out. where we find out he is the faceless footman. Oh my God. Oh, God. No. And, I mean, it was a reference to his actual affliction. <gasps> wow. Oh my god! <laughs> this is my favorite conspiracy theory yet. Oh, you're right. Oh my god, we've we've solved it, guys. <laughs> Gaius is the big bad. It's not Enkidu. It's Gaius. <laughs> I've been misdirected this whole time. <laughs> I mean, could Gaius have already figured out that he's a wing throw-up, Have done the trial. Have been turned into a thing. Have been copied. There's two Gaiuses walking around. One of them's a doppelganger. I mean, it all makes sense now. Yeah. Yep. And that's how you know. Oh my God, maybe the facial disfigurement is how you know which one's the doppelganger and which one isn't. Dun, dun, dun. dun. Whoa, that's crazy. He did it to himself? Maybe. Bro, there's simpler ways, dude. <laughs> yeah, right. Just get a haircut. Or a tattoo. Like, come on. I love that whole, uh, sorry, I know it's coming up later, but the whole tattoo on the back of the neck thing. It's like, Enkidu, like, no, I'm not, I'm not getting this. I'm, yep. not, I'm not getting it. You could always do it in his sleep. No, <laughs> I'll never sleep again. Oh, God. I mean, he doesn't sleep, so. Yeah, I love the idea of getting a tattoo in a place that you can't see just so that they can tell you apart from, but I feel like yeah. even then, I feel like Erida, it would not surprise me if Erida had like sensors like all over Ito and yeah. was getting information from every part of his body rather than just his eyes and ears and mouth. Like, how has this person been damaged so that I can perfectly replicate it later? You know, mm-hmm. like, oh, they've got a gash down the back of the arm and they put it on the yeah. next, put it on the next duplicate. That's so spooky. Yeah. I don't like it. What happens at the end of this episode, Hannah? What does happen at the end of this episode? Well, that whole thing uh, you said earlier, Jeremy, about uh, things running in the background. Mm -hmm. I feel vindicated because I have been screaming almost every Superfan Chats episode about (laughs) how Gwen should not have been throwing around her family name and saying... 
I'm Gwendolyn Rose. Oh, my father, Mr. Rose. Mm. Do you know who I am? Look at my pendant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, it's only recently she's sort of clocked onto that. And unfortunately, a bit late because a spider grabs her and jumps away. And everyone's trying to figure out how fast they react to that. Mm. <laughs> and the answer is not fast enough. Not fast enough. No. Not fast enough. How fast yeah. is not fast enough. Uh, and poor Ruana gets hurled at the spider yes. in her <laughs> tiny owlbear form. Which is a That's wonderful hilarious. mental image. I throw my, I throw my familiar at Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So it seems that uh, intermittently using the name Carhilda hasn't really done much to mitigate the damage of the uh, yeah. spreading it about exactly where she's going and what she's doing. And possibly who she's traveling with yeah. as mm. well. Yeah. Because surely there would be, like, if you're trying to track her down, you would not just be like, what did she look like? You'd also be like, was she with anybody? Yep, known associates. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. How many of them are there? This incredibly uh, interesting looking band of very diverse people. Yeah. Yeah, some of whom aren't really common in this part of the world. Yep, and uh, one of them's got a teapot goose. One of them's got like a special leg. One, of, uh, Same one, actually. Mm-hmm. One of them's wearing a mask, yeah. <laughs> singing all over the place. Yeah. One of them is a scary robot man. Like, <laughs> come on, guys. With a big old like buster sword. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And a tiny gnome who keeps trying to give everyone a cup of tea. And yeah. looks quite witchy. Yep. Yeah. With an yeah. owlbear. You know. In- inconspicuous, yeah. really. Really yeah. inconspicuous as a, as a group. How are you going to find them? No idea. They look like they go together, you know, they look like family. And such a range of accents, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, does this bring us to episode 51? I, I think, think it does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. I think it does. Right. Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, first off, we have the spider chase sequence. Yes. Uh, and I wanted to have a quick uh, little theorization. I don't know if in any side materials they have revealed what exactly the nature of these spiders were, but I'm pretty sure I know. Ooh, do what? you? Face, yes. face spider, no? Uh, well, I think they may have been steeders. Oh. Uh, steeders, okay. which are Drow, creatures that are right? found in the Underdark. Yeah. They can specifically... Either male or female steeders, because females are actually more powerful. But essentially, they can jump great distances. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, uh, let me. Re- the distance of the steeders' long jumps is tripled. Uh, every foot of its walking speed that it spends on the jump allows it to move three feet. And so their normal speed is 30 feet. These things can jump 90 feet. Wow. Which would explain how it's so easily caught Gwendolyn. Yeah. Because she's like sprinting away. And she's a monk. Yeah. So she's got beastly speed. And this thing just... Boop, there you go. And it also has an ability called Sticky Leg, uh, which is not quite the same as like a web, but mm-hmm. could easily have been re-skinned in some way. Yeah, where yeah. basically, And it could have even been that uh, Baby David combined Steeter with like a regular spider that she got okay. webbed there. But yeah, mm. would not at all surprise me uh, if it was some kind of a Steeter. Well, you're right, because the main mode of transportation was jumping, wasn't it? Like, you know, you mm-hmm. said it jumped from one place to the next. And I think that's even how... Uh, Juno spider is able to to catch up later. Um, the thing that really surprised me, though, uh, and I absolutely loved, was that 
this this giant spider comes out, grabs Gwendolyn, and you're like, oh my god, it's horrible. Uh, before you know that it's like it's Colin DeBarge related, mm-hmm. I was expecting like, oh, grotesque thing, yeah, man on the back, like probably trying to kill it. But then he's like the most well-spoken kind of explorer yeah. uh, <laughs> guy. Of, oh, hello there. What a polite bounty hunter. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, so proper. <laughs> Definitely in the employ of the DeBarges. Yeah. And when he thinks that she's when he thinks that she's been enchanted, he just starts calmly dusting her. Clean that up right away. Here you are. Do we have any theories on how they tracked her specifically? Because he did say Boots always knows exactly, the name of the yeah. spider. Yeah. Is there anything in the in the notes, Jeremy, about how that particular type of spider would do that? They say something about her her scent. They, yeah, they thought it may have been a scent situation. Mm. Yeah, I there's nothing I can tell you. The Steeders do not have that ability okay. uh, to smell people like that. Um, I don't think any spiders do that I'm aware of. Okay. I don't think they do. I looked at this for giant spiders, and they don't they don't have the tracking. Do spiders have noses? <laughs> Uh, spiders do have, I think, senses of smell. I don't think they have noses as such, but I'm pretty sure real life spiders do anyway. Maybe on the hairs on their legs or something. Uh, they definitely, yeah, pick pick up feelings and stuff. They've got a spider sense. Yeah, exactly. Well, there you go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Speaking of which, shout out to uh, Chris's Gaius song. Uh, where he said he yes. earned five gold pieces from the Spider Catch song. That was yes. great. Loved it. I loved that. Somebody in here also, while we were kind of, you know, divvying up episodes, mentioned Spider Gwen, which yeah. I love as well. Yes. Uh, probably should have been the name of the episode, but maybe for <laughs> copyright reasons, they couldn't do that. Uh, maybe Spider maybe Spider Cahilda. Yeah. Yeah, that'll do. That'll work. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I'm interested. I don't, I really don't know how. Maybe there's like a scrying situation. Which, yeah. By the way, uh, the party really has no means of defending against that. But no, if there are don't. all these powerful people trying to find them, uh, like now. I wonder if David is just rolling scry checks for them without telling them behind the DM screen, oh, like once or twice be. an episode. He must I, be. I love the idea that with, with Enkidu's kind of, link to Erida, maybe she's sending out like a a signal, like a <laughs> like a pulse like a, to like stop that signal. kind of thing from happening. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ooh. Oh, a different thing. I thought you meant like a like a beam of find them. But with her like sensor, she's thwarting other sensors as well. Oh, like maybe possibly. that's what he radiates. I don't know. I'm making that up. I wonder if they haven't been being scryed on since they encountered those creepy mirrors way back when. Ooh. And something on the other side saw them. And something's been tracking them. Oh. Maybe from another plane. That's mm. terrifying. Because, yeah. well, I don't know about Dravain, but obviously in some multiverses, sort of the planes kind of overlap, which is how you can like go into the ethereal plane and like you can still see some of the material plane and like back and forth. So let me see. Non-detection is a spell that uh, Gaius could get. Non-detection is a spell that for eight hours, it's a third level spell, hides you from all divination magic. Ooh. Oh, wow. You nice. cannot be targeted by any divination magic or perceived through magical scrying sensors. So if Gaius was really, really concerned, I mean, first of all, it's an interesting test to try with Enkidu to see just yep. how, yeah, yeah, just what the nature of... Connection. Yeah. yeah, see if this is like a divination thing. You also can't be perceived through magical scrying sensors at all. So it'd be interesting to try an Enkidu, but also a really good thing to use on Gwendolyn. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Or Gaius, if his siblings are as dangerous as we now believe they are. 
because mm-hmm. you best believe they're not going to let him get away. Yeah. And, and he's one of the people that burnt down their hideout. Yeah. yeah. That's that's not good. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, there was this bard, by the way, who was wearing a mask because his, his face had been destroyed. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that information gets back to them. Brutus might be like, oh, damn. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. had a kind of New Jersey accent. Um, <laughs> which I'm hoping all of Gaius's family have when we Poor meet Poor baby David trying <laughs> yeah. to do this accent. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Can't wait for that. Uh, which there are some accents that baby David is extremely proficient in, one of which is the family, uh, the one that he used for the, for, uh, what was his name? Uh, Gerald uh, and his partner. Oh, as yeah. Part of the, oh, my God, the caravan. Yeah. There's this, it's like a, it's a character type that he does, that he, every single time he does it, it's like, yep. Yep. Yeah, that's it. That's it's it. The, it's the kind of Jenny voice, isn't it? The yeah. James yeah. Acaster voice. <laughs> so that was, that was Ed, uh, I believe. Oh, uh, yes, it was. In yeah. Vernot Rise. But yeah, yes. the, the, this, yeah, Gerald and her husband, who kind of had that, um, I don't know if you used to watch, like, the Fast show, there was, um, the the husband and wife and you, you know she's like chatting away and chatting away and then she'll oh, go what yeah, what yeah. did I say and he'd be like oh, you said this uh, like literally that's all that he gets the chance to say I kind of got that vibe from from these two it's like <laughs> didn't I Gerald yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> isn't Prevost so good I was really interesting to hear uh, a little bit about time and Prevost mm. uh, specifically the idea that he's apparently advocating for actual reform yeah uh, and I it made me be like. Wow, sounds like there's some really interesting political stuff going on that I would enjoy <laughs> hearing about. Uh, and it ties yeah. in with the whole, uh, the, the idea that there, the world continues to move. Yep. And yes. regardless Agreed. of our characters actually pursuing those threads, which it seems like just most of the time they don't. Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or they'll like, they'll follow it part way and then be like, all right, cool. So I guess we're done with that. Because yeah. um. <laughs> there was a whole thing again ages ago in Berrien Fields where they were like, mm, frosting, mm-hmm. oh, this seems bad, trying to get people to sign up by coercing them using drugs. Oh, well. That's yeah. it. We no, no law enforcement. <laughs> no, like, let's talk to government officials that actually, like, nah. try and stop. Let's get to the bottom of this. We could have had a whole frosting arc, folks. <laughs> like, there could have been, like, a 10 to 15 episode of frosting. I mean, we could have had a whole serial killer arc, but they didn't go back to that one yeah. either, did they? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> exactly. We could have had, like, a, an arc where it's like, okay, so we've discovered that the wing thrups are like this. What do we do? Like, we gotta, first we gotta figure out some way to, like, get Enkidu to not be a liability anymore. Cause we, no matter what he says and what he believes, they can't guarantee that, you know, they can't verify how safe it is to have him interacting with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But I love that, just despite the fact that they're not following through with it, at least not initially. I'm sure they'll come back to a lot of this stuff later, like they did with, uh, frosting and so forth. Uh, but, uh, it still continues to move. Uh, baby mm. David, uh, thank you for keeping things developing in the background while the party, uh, goes and collects spoons. Uh, you, are, <laughs> you are truly playing the long game, and I'm interested to see, especially with how high level they are. That's the other thing. These yeah. people are like level yeah. nine, right? And normally they're like yep. affecting the world by this point. Yeah. And, you know, they're known kind of and adventurous. And we're still having spoon competition. Yeah. I <laughs> love that they're so, what's the word? You know, they're so below the radar with a lot of yeah. things. You know, they just turn up, they mess things up, and then they leave. But I kind of, yeah. I don't know. I kind of love that. Yeah. It, like you say, it's very Arakaladi, and I wouldn't, yeah. I don't know that I'd have it any other way because it gives us yeah. a hell of a lot more to talk about. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I guess to be fair, in terms of damage and also defense, this is not a tanky party at all. 
don't mm-hmm. think anybody has a D10 even. Oh I think everybody God. has a D8 or lower in terms of hit dice. <laughs> so true. So, like, say they come up against a barbarian and a fighter or, like, a paladin, uh, that could get real ugly real quick. Yeah. <laughs> like, if it's like, oh, yeah, this is a tanky group of people, uh, and then they have, like, in addition, a high-powered blaster spellcaster who can mm-hmm. keep an- who can just drop AoE spells on them, and, like, if Baby David decided to make, like, an, an A-team... To like, you know, like go in and be like, here's a SEAL Team 6. We've been sent in to get Gwendolyn back. We will bring all of you down. Like, it could get yeah, real. Yeah. yeah. No other survivors. Yeah. Leave no witnesses kind now of thing. Now you've said it, Jeremy. It's coming. Yeah. I mean, well, look. S- Sam, it's a bit like what you said about like when um, they got the broadsword out, the Tiefling got the broadsword out. It was like, oh shit, they cannot survive this. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. This is they don't bad have anybody times. tanky at all. I was yeah. hoping that, you know, they'll. They'll deal with that in the in the future episodes because I, I know that this this kind of like six part arc leaves off with them going shopping and I'm hoping that kind of like you know you can buy amulets of uh, protection from you know seeing and stuff like that I'm hoping yeah. that that is part of their agenda for this uh, you know I'm hoping that because Chris mentions about how he wants Gaius to have some armor because he's never had armor after being yeah. oh by my- a great sword three times um, you know so that's something that they're starting to think about I'm hoping that they're thinking right let's yeah. upgrade our arsenal now you know we've got like five gold to split between all of us but let's let's go do it let's uh let's yeah. gear up i hope they do I maybe in kidu multi-classes into like battle master fighter uh or something like that uh, well it's funny you should say that i yeah i know I, i've been chatting with daryl oh. about some choices coming up so some some things might be happening i'm i'm gonna stay faithful to uh my my You're good friend secrets from the super fans right keep your yeah secrets. we do have these chats every day <laughs> there like you know it's like, oh do i go for for eldritch smite or or branding smite it's like i'll give him my thoughts on both of them and then i'll make his choice from that what about um, maybe divine smite <laughs> you know maybe a well, little paladin yeah. who knows <laughs> uh well there yeah i mean we 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 talked about all of these options. Oh boy! I mean, Enkidu is such a, a paladin type in terms of his moral compass. Like, it's su- always surprising to me that he's a warlock. Like, I forget that that's his deal because yeah. he feels like a paladin. You, you think he should be a, a padlock? Ooh. <laughs> nice. That's a good one. Have, has, is that like an actual term? I haven't heard that one before. I think they call it the paladoc or something like that. That's but it's, a, it's a, a, it's a opportunity. It is a, it's yeah. a padlock. <laughs> Maybe, uh, does Juna have counterspell? Uh, ooh. I think, because if she don't, my God. Juna, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. This I, is obviously, obviously we're playing more like, let's have our characters take what they think would be fun and think that mm. it would like fit best with their character personality and whatnot. Mm. But my god, counterspell. That's so useful. That's a spell that hurts to not have. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah either one of them or dispel magic, but let's be honest, it's going to be counterspell. Um, yeah. yeah I, I would have thought that Chris is going to pick that up as Gaius. It's, it's, it's a go-to with like magic caster characters that he's played in the past, so I'd be really surprised if he doesn't pick that one up. But maybe mm. that'll be why he doesn't, because it's like two the same as what he's done in the past. Gaius is different, I don't know. This is true. And yeah. Gaius has... Still got pretty low charisma. Gaius will pick it up at level 20 after he's like, right, I've got armor. Ah. Oh, yeah. What is Gaius' charisma at this level? I think it's quite low. Poor. Like, he says yeah. that as part of his backstory in uh, sort of at the end of 
his backstory. He's like, oh, and then I picked up the loot and I've only just started playing. Anyway, that's why his charisma is so bad. Like, he really drops oh. it in. He's asked to do a performance check at one point, and I think he said his mon- modifier is plus four. I'm not sure if he's proficient in it. You would have thought, being a bard, he would choose to be... Yeah. Wait, it's her performance is plus four? Well, yeah. this is this is the thing, right? At so, level, like, seven or eight? Yeah. Yeah, where they've got plus three uh, to their yeah, proficiency modifier. Yeah. I think he said his charisma yeah. was like a 12. <laughs> like originally, I really think his, he said his charisma crap. was 12. I, I don't know where I'm getting that from. Maybe I, think I you're just. Right. That, that would make sense because that would be a plus one and then he's got plus three from his proficiency. Yeah. Oh. I might be misremembering this, but definitely there was a moment where Grace said that it was in Gwen's performance was higher than Gaius's at one point. Yeah. That was a little while ago. It wasn't recently, but. Yeah. I mean, his, his deception is good. So I don't know whether that's like one he's gone for expertise in, uh, you know, which Probably. would make sense mm-hmm. as to bolster it. And there's a, there, there is a chance that he hasn't decided to be proficient in performance because he said he's, like, he's learning. But even then he'd be half proficient in it because he's a bard. Yeah. So like, (laughs) so even with that, he'd get like a plus one. Yeah. So maybe he has like a plus two to charisma. Yeah, plus two or plus three or something. Maybe it's a sixteen. But yeah, it's yeah. This is not a party that's built for power. This is a party that's built for character. (laughs) I mean, he came in as a bard without a lot of charisma and a longsword. So that's the kind of character (laughs) Chris was going for with this campaign. (laughs) It's a choice. Yeah. I once played in a bard one shot where this dude flat out did not, he clearly had never read anything about the bard class. And so he gave his bard a six charisma, not knowing that it would just kneecap the character. (laughs) And so like when he was like, what's my, what's my, what's my save? One. Like it it was a save was like, (laughs) his save DC was like 11. Wow. <laughs> and he was oh like, my god. He's like, this is terrible. Why all is it so those, bad? Oh my god. All of those saving throws that he's, you know, <laughs> forcing a spell save on other people is like, yeah, there's no point, mate. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> I can't fail this. Yeah, that's, that's, that's brutal. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I would like, I, I think, uh, it'll be really interesting to uh, see what comes of that. I think the other big event for me in this episode, other than the time and Prevost thing, is of course the the discovery of uh, Professor Kierder Taggerton. Is that is that yes. how the yeah. name is pronounced? Taggerton. Yeah. Taggerton. Taggerton. Finally, yeah. the known professor. Yeah, but a new a new chosen flower fella. Which is very significant. With such a great accent. Speaking of Baby yes. David's accent. Yeah. Kida. Smashed it. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, which we, bar- we barely got to hear him talk in this episode. But I mm. loved the moment of Juna seeing him. And initially it seemed like just a straight up romantic connection. And I was like, ooh. It's like you feel a magnetic pull to this person. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, I was like, mm. uh, what's going to happen next episode? Uh, but yeah, it turns out that it, they had the flower, uh, the flower connection. Uh, and I loved like the moment that they touched and the flower appeared and they're both standing on its petals and everything. Yeah. Uh, is this, is this the first time that we've like run into just another person? Yeah, other yep. than Jenny, because yep. right. she was obviously a gnome. Right. <laughs> Until she wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Soft retcon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. This was a, it was a fab moment, wasn't it? The, the yeah. description and the music combined. The swelling of the music. Oh. Yes. So mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. And that was really the end of the episode, was just discovering this. Mm-hmm. So I guess should, it leads straight into episode 52. Yeah, uh, which was uh, a lot of information giving mm-hmm. in this one. I mean, we, you know, 
it was pretty clear that the party were going to tell these guys everything, omitting only a couple of details about the Mario Ferrisine thing and about Enkidu's patrons, but pretty much everything else was talked about. Um, We're going to work out later whether that was a good thing or a bad thing. Um, But yeah, I listened listened back to both of these these episodes and there was a lot of... uh, there was the the payment for the first thing for the information guys getting a little bit less which i uh, kind of yes. loved you know th- yep. that's that's known and it's been like a running joke between heron and kieda yeah your actions have consequences <laughs> yeah world running in the background things are happening yeah we uh we talked a bit more about rostall and about the oratoric stuff that we were talking about earlier uh, we learn a bit more about the hierarchy of the Arcanist Consortium and that there's yep. normally three of these uh, Arcanists in the high circle. Um, mm-hmm. So we learned that they are Clovene Nix, Elemir Toscan, and Petra Granius. We learned that uh, Heron has basically had his role diminished because of whatever, you know, this looking into the founding fathers uh, or yep. the founding members of the consortium mm. at Kier de Tagenen's request. Uh, so again, a bit light on the details there. We don't really know what happened. Yeah. Um, but there's definitely some interesting things. You know, Kiada brings more information about those founding members to them. Yeah. Uh, they talk about the mirror wall. Uh, they talk about the fact that uh, Time and Prevost. Uh, sorry, not Time and Prevost. Uh, it was who was the Rumath. original king? Rumath, Rumath terrible. terrible. That's mm-hmm. it. Uh, never had a burial. Mm. Um, very strange. Oh, it's got Kral written all over it. I know, yeah. right? I mean, he just took the body back to his tower. What if it's still there? That's, uh, that is immediately... This whole thing was so immediately fascinating to me. Mm. Same. I really wish... I, we, gotta, we gotta stick this spoon thing. <laughs> we gotta set this aside. Yeah. Let's go find out what happened with this king, man. No, the spoons. Gotta get more spoons. I heard there was a spoon in each of those mirrors. <laughs> to the tower, damn it. Maybe the king, is, the king was buried with, the, with nine spoons. He's in the spoon Ooh. vault. He's got it. Yeah. That's the final thing. You you get you find Rumath Tarabor and you get all the spoons. Yeah, like hundreds of them. They just circle around his head for he is the spoon god. Uh, Spoondom hearts. He's got a crown. Yeah. He's got a crown made of spoons. <laughs> oh god but yeah they uh they put the, the homeward door in a position in the kitchen yes they just they kind of make that decision that the next thing they're going to do is go to see the demonologist and just before the end of the first episode we have uh gwen goes back and she hears a conversation that is happening between the professor and heron uh mm-hmm. where they mentioned somebody called liana mm-hmm. i didn't know if you guys had any thoughts about who this person might be like it's it's not really because the perception check was so low there's not really that much information on like yeah if it's a good mm. talk or a bad talk it was just a name which makes me think that it's important but i don't i don't know in, in what regard yeah but not super immediately relevant necessarily and it's one of those names where it's like i feel like i've heard that before when have i heard yeah, that right? before but i like am i gonna go digging through the last 51 episodes to try and figure out Maybe I will. <laughs> Double speed, just sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to get Lego to look into this because Lego knows this inside out. Lego, if you hear me, we want to know. Have you heard the name Liana and her spoons? Um, <laughs> uh, and I'm I'm going to skip the other big thing because it's going to be the first thing I want to talk about because the next, the next episode is literally spoon collecting. So yeah. they go out, they do the first challenge, which is the catapult challenge. They do the second challenge, which is how many spoons on a tray? Yep. Spoons. <laughs> spoons, uh, spoons. And then there's, there's also like... 
and they kind of go off to start the the shopping trip. But the thing I want to yeah. talk about with you guys first is the big moment, which happens it just in between these two episodes, which yeah. is when Juna, all excited for having met another petal and like talking about their abilities and like divulging all of this information, mm-hmm. she sends a message to Ginger just saying like, "Oh my god, I've met another petal! Um, can't believe it! They're amazing!" And Ginger comes back with, "I'm coming to you now." And there is definite panic in her voice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, my my question to you guys is, where do you think this guy lands on the petals? Is he light, dark? Is he for the balance? Do you think the party are doing the right thing by by trying to distance Juna from him? Uh, mm. Do you think there's a lot of cause for concern here based on the information that we now know about Kieda Tagadan? Hard to know. Hard to know because some of Ginger's concern could be well there's only one gnome for the balance right like it's Mm -hmm. three for light three for dark one for the balance Mm -hmm. and juna just assumed she was for the balance i think unless she's for the dark well this is the thing right (laughs) this is this is the thing is like is coming into contact with another one of the petals going to reveal to juna something that she doesn't want to know and ginger doesn't want her to know because that mm-hmm. self-knowledge will somehow be dangerous rather than kirda being dangerous is juna knowing the truth about herself dangerous Ooh, you flip this on its head i love it yeah. because he does point out that with the whole like ruana in a raven thing he does say like yeah. you know like necromancy yeah. yeah and she does have a spooky witchy hand that comes out her, ne- her chill touch she's got yeah and mind reading isn't really a nice power and she's not always very ethical with it yeah she's quite naughty <laughs> sometimes she's not the like she's not the nice cuddly nana figure you expect her to be sometimes mm-hmm. she's actually quite vicious and you're like oh <laughs> That doesn't feel ethical. As someone who has been on the receiving end of the of the <laughs> oh, detect yes. magic happiness or detect thoughts, that is, uh, yeah, that can be. It's it's a sneaky trick, and she she presses that. She's quick to press that button. Yeah, like she's quick on the trigger with that one. And I agree. That oh, is she's not nosy. Yeah, and I think so far most of her like darkest quote-unquote behavior has been in the service of like better causes like for instance when she went up and yelled at Dwayne for like two minutes straight <laughs> yes. uh, such a good moment man that was phenomenal <laughs> so uh, she was so good but like that was that was because she cared about Gwendolyn and this dude had hurt Gwendolyn and she's clearly somebody who loves her friends mm-hmm. and wants to help her friends and provide for her friends and take care of her friends so it'd be really interesting to see that. I'm. Uh, has Vicky said whether she knows, or was it all left up to David? Uh, she hasn't actually revealed that information. Juna no. definitely hopes that she's for the balance. She said that before. She's like, I hope I'm for the balance, or you know, kind of the good. But it was that was the one that she was pitching for. I'm pretty sure that she left it like who was what yeah, to David. Yeah, open. I'm pretty sure she said that in a no small questions. That she didn't pin that down. Do we think that, uh, that, that Jenny is afraid that, they're like Jenny knows the, uh, who, like, uh, Ginger, what, you mean? Sorry, Ginger, yeah, yeah. Sorry, not Jenny. I mean, Jenny uh, knows everything. Yes. She does, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but do we think that, uh, Ginger knows which one Juna is and might also know, uh, which one the professor is? And if, if, like, say Juna actually is a dark one, 
Maybe this is like getting two dark ones together in one spot is actually like a problem. Like mm. it's it's not good for them to be because that's two out of three. Yeah. Then. The balance. Yeah. yeah. And there there was a mention of like them being on the opposite sides of the petal in a, in a way that you can be with a seven petal yeah. flower. Oh, yeah. But you know that they were on. I don't know. There was a little bit of a, a nod towards that they're on opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, and yeah. it mattered where they were mm. situated. Mm. I I suspect that Juna's for the light. I, okay. I, yeah, I'd like to think so. It would be a really interesting twist, though. She was for the dark, and it's like she's got to fight against <laughs> that. Yeah. Well, but also to some degree, don't you need the three of each? And then, like, like, don't you need the th- like? Isn't that part of like the way the world works? Essentially, yeah. like, you need the three on the one side, three on the other side, and the one to help mediate between the two. Yeah. For the yeah to to keep yeah. it balanced. Yeah. The, yeah. The I wondered must be one <laughs> whether Ginger's kind of concern was that if Juna is for the balance and she, Ginger doesn't know about the professor and whether they're for the light or for the dark, whether the balance can be tipped in either direction oh. and because they don't know that whatever way Juna ends up being drawn they can be influenced that then affects world events and right, that could be yeah. the influence possibly oh, and that could just throw throw off the path of the balance mm. that's another good one good and theory. that's why she is not allowed to meet any other flower gnomes mm, it, yeah. it'll be really interesting to hear what Ginger has to say and, and to find out whether she does know that much information because mm. uh, you know Kieda mentions that he's got um uh basil <laughs> yeah. uh, is was like his mentor and just took him to libraries and you know had him study and stuff whereas ginger seems like she taught juna a lot of different things so was that like arming did you find that suspicious that she's been learning like mind reading that, things that, and... yeah that they hmm. they seem to have such different teachings hmm. yeah it did although i i did wonder like how long Kieda Tagenen stayed around his teacher mm. i kind yeah, of got the true. sense that he left because in terms of like that there's quite a difference in age between the professor yeah. and juna you know he's he's quite a lot younger but he's yeah. he's still been all over and he's had his hand in a lot of different things but yeah pip do you think just gut feeling mm. how do you feel the professor is leaning like you know on which side based on the information that we know about him which is very little yeah what was the sense that you got from this aussie i'm very suspicious of him. Mm. He's kind of deliberately throwing out very weird questions about biting off fingers and toes to people to kind of steer them away from things he might not want to talk about or just trying to distract them from kind of planning too much. And I feel like him and Heron are a very unlikely team. Mm. And I wonder whether there's something more in it for him. Yeah. That's my gut. I mean, the fact that Heron is being punished for... You know, just looking yeah. into the founding members seems mm. quite full on. There's also a mention. Uh, oh, sorry, I've got to look through my notes here for exactly mm-hmm. what it's called. Uh, Kieda mentions about how he's been working in a different place in the Cantorian Empire, and he said that they were all like really oh, stuck yeah. up themselves. Mm. But he then mentions at the end that it's really fun playing with them. Oh, mm. good. Spot. I didn't know whether that was what like that mean? like really toying with them and whether mm. that was in a malicious way or in a kind of Juna Orin way where they mess with people. <laughs> it was yeah. 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 It did make me it did ask make me ask questions about it. I have a pitch. I have a pitch. Mm. What if uh the different petals are not it, the, the different petals are not assigned a position? But essentially, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy that when you hear it, your the actions that you take during your life 
then determine which side you fall oh, on. Oh my god. I like so that. you're unwittingly choosing which side you fall on. Yes. And and it all kind of leads up to the point at which you hear it and then you kind of back piece it. Yeah, and yeah. And like maybe the reason Ginger is so scared is because Juna's is still in question, but mm. if she's in contact with this dude and he happens to be on the dark side, maybe he will influence her to move in that direction. Because Juna and him seem to get on pretty famously. Yeah, 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 they do. Uh, and I, I have to shout out to Baby David. That was a great NPC. I absolutely love. Yeah, him. yeah, was, right. He's so fun. <laughs> this is the clever thing. It was so easy to open up to him and yeah. to have these chats with him, and then, like, noticeably on the second day, because he he meets up with them, uh, like right at the end to go shopping. As yeah. soon as he realizes he's not hanging out with Juna, he is not interested in conversation whatsoever. Yeah. It's just very much like he's looking off in a different direction. He's he's clearly like thinking about things. I mean, so to be fair, if I'd met like one of the only other people who understood my experience ever, <laughs> and then I was being kept <laughs> from hanging out with them by like these other people, yeah. I wouldn't be so happy either. I might be a little bit salty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, okay, but when can we when can I talk to them? <laughs> so I can really blame him, but also there w- it didn't feel entirely innocent either. Yeah. I do like the idea that maybe he knows a little bit more about, like, influencing other petals. And so, like, he's mm. trying to get Juna to lean more towards the dark side. Uh, I, I, and I also, it also would be a fun thing from Baby David's point of view because it gives Vicky essentially all of the agency. Mm. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. based on how she chooses to play Juna, that then determines where Juna falls. It'd be interesting if, yeah, if like saving throws, wisdom saving throws, charisma saving throws kind of come into it later. Cause I mean, she's not, it, it's been kind of shown that, you know, the, the mind powers that Juna has, they don't work on Kierda. So if she wants to read his intentions, she's got no way of doing that. She can't detect no. thoughts on him, you know. I mean, potentially doing a, a zone of truth, but do we know if that works on him? Like, it, yeah. the, there's a big question mark around this character, and I love it because it's it encompasses so much information, so many questions. This, yeah, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to picking at this thread and just kind of there like, was a there was the moment when when they first met and they were talking about their kind of gifts and abilities, and Kierda seemed quite impressed that Juna could read and detect thoughts. And she said, oh, well, can't you do that then? And he said, no, I wish someone had had the the thought to do an insight check on him yeah. at that point. Yeah. Somebody In my head, later. I was like, please, yeah. please, please. Because it's usually Juna who does the insight checks, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. I feel like those episodes were a whole missed opportunity for insight checks <laughs> all round. There was only one. Oh. Yep. Was, yeah. There was only one, and it was a bad insight check as well. I think Gaius oh, okay. insight checked Heron to see if he was lying about, you know, an answer that he'd just given, and it was really low, and they didn't think to do it again. That was the last time. <sighs> I just love the way they blindly trust everyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like they need to start, like, whenever they have meetings like this with people who may or may not be on the up and up, they need to go in and be like, look, let's all agree to a zone of truth. Yeah. Just right now, we're casting a zone of truth. You choose to fail. If you do not fail, you are thereby in, you are thereby indicating that you do not, like, you are not trustworthy. Because Zone of Truth specifically states, you don't have to say something if you don't want to. Yeah, exactly. You You can just choose to be silent. If you don't want to spread a bit of information, you don't say anything. And then people go, okay, that's information that you don't want to part with. 
Mm. Fair enough. We'll move on. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. That it's it's a cheap spell. Yeah, you know, <laughs> she could cast it quite easily. Yeah, and I think I think it would be worth doing as just practice, like standard practices, because there's so many inside checks. Yeah, so many. Rather than having that way, you don't even have to do detect thoughts necessarily. I mean, sometimes yeah. you might, but you don't have to. You can just be like, look, agree not to lie. That's a real problem for Dwayne. Uh, but, like, agree not to lie. I mean, Dwayne would break the zone of truth. It would just shatter around him. <laughs> uh, there's actually high... Le- and the thing is, not every single character is subject to it because uh, with um, high-level rogues, I don't remember if it's a specific rogue subclass or if it's all rogues, but certain rogues at, uh, I think it's level 14, maybe, get the ability to uh, just lie no matter what and you can't prove it oh my god uh it's like including like trying to read their mind doesn't work uh because they can just choose to make you think that they're telling the truth uh i forget which rogue subclass it is it might be mastermind that would make Uh, sense soul of deceit soul of deceit uh yeah it's the mastermind rogue at 17th level to get soul of deceit uh, your thoughts can't be read by telepathy or any other means unless you allow it. You can present false thoughts by succeeding on a deception check contested by the mind reader's insight check. Oh my god. Uh, but by that point, you have reliable talent and you could be getting like a plus 17 to <laughs> your deception. So you can't get below like a 27 on deception. Um, additionally, no matter what you say, magic that would determine if you are telling the truth indicates you are being truthful if you so choose. No way. And you way. can't be compelled to tell the truth by magic. Wow. Uh, I mean, in in terms of giving David ideas tonight, you're doing well. <laughs> <laughs> really Look, well. you brought a DM onto the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of my speculation is going to be like, what? Now, obviously, it's a 17th level ability, so it's not going to be like every third person has this ability. Sure. But... Just but, like Erida uh, and all exactly, <laughs> Arida, I can see Erida easily having that. Yeah, uh, or Erida being able to rewrite like her own code so that she's telling the truth when she says it, and then as soon as she stops saying it, she rewrites it. Oh, this is uh, so iRobot, isn't it? Oh, I love it. Yeah, so oh, I love it. There, there was a, there was a real sense with this one though, like you say about the you know not thinking about inside checks, not seeing if people are lying. It mm. was very much like. That's We've been waiting everything. for this for 52 <laughs> yeah. episodes, you know, 51, 52 episodes to finally meet somebody. That, and there was that beautiful moment at the beginning where, where she was like, I don't know what to do now. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> I've been waiting all this time. That I think it was just kind of like, oh, you're definitely... But it's in the stuff that she wrote. There's ones for the good. There's ones for the bad. So Well, she doesn't say good and bad. She doesn't say good and bad. She says dark and mm, light. light and dark and which light, Which I think is re- a really important distinction. Mm. Because light and dark, I don't think imply always moral value. I think that's something that we put onto it mm-hmm. kind of as an assumption. And actually, I wonder if this might be sort of Vicky and baby David being able to challenge those assumptions mm. we make about like, oh, light is always good, dark is always bad. And actually how problematic that can be in so many ways. And actually, mm, yeah. what would it mean if, one people for the dark were actually morally more ethical than people Mm -hmm. for the light and i guess that's like i don't know this is me getting into my like lawful good chaotic good neutral kind of like arguments about like what does good actually mean 
Um, yeah. But yeah, I just think it would be mm. interesting not to not to be fooled because I feel like there are so many <laughs> tricks in there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I agree. That could be that could also be really interesting. It's been a bit, you know, it's, considering it was like you know a really chatty episode. You know, it was effectively that uh, episode fifty-two was you know just in that room chatting with them but so much information was passed across that it, yeah. it's yeah. almost impossible to talk about it all in the in the time that we got tonight mm-hmm. um i do kind of want to come to that there was something that so firstly orin was mentioning that he he grew up and was born in the mercy lands which we now know mm-hmm. is kind of like this this area where where laws are made where agreements are made between nations because it's uh what's it called what's the word that i'm looking for it's a neutral oligarchy yeah I was thinking like a neutral territory neutral, yeah. uh, oh, is kind of okay, what I was going sorry. for. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I love oligarchy. We'll keep, yeah, keep that a in mind. I just remember the guy has defined what an oligarch was. Oh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, there was also. So Oren did a couple of mentions in this six, six parter. So, firstly, he was asking the professor if the professor had ever met a gnome with a mark on their face yes. in these episodes. He didn't go into the mark, but when he's talking about marks and he's got like the mark on his arm or something, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, there's there's stuff to divulge. There's stuff to unpick yep. there. But he also, when he was chatting to Alfie a few episodes back, he asked Alfie very directly, have you ever met somebody called Zara? Yes. And a bit like the Liana moment, I was wondering, does anybody remember a mention of Zara? Is Do we know anything about this, about a gnome in Orin's past with a mark on their face not is... in my brain no i mean right. we know that his his kind of mentor in the woden isles was called Eliwick, i think yeah yeah but he also mentioned something about a mechanical arm didn't he i think yeah i think he... but was that more to do with wingthrop stuff because there was well a that's bartender what i with a mechanical arm hmm. well there was i'm pretty sure he said did you ever come across someone with a mechanical arm and slash or i don't remember a mark yeah, on their right. face you're right i, th- I think because yeah, two things: mechanical arm, wing for up, mark on face on a gnome is quite. A, yeah, it's quite. I I don't know. I I mean, I feel like in a way Ben is kind of putting these little things out there because you know he hasn't he hasn't divulged the whole backstory, you know, and that's going to come out organically at some point, I'm sure. But he's putting in just little kind of little yeah. snippets, little words or names or something little like teasers. that that he's almost like egging the party on to be like, yeah. So who's Zara? So that he can be like, oh, um, uh, no, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Zara who? Walk away and, you know, not doing anything Such with it. Such a good R&M impression. has got to hit him with that detect thoughts. <laughs> exactly. And that was the moment that David, as Kierda, then interrupted him with that stupid question about biting off toes exactly. and fingers. Exactly. And he's done that twice. The other time he did that was when Orin and Gaius were having a chat on the boat and there was the mention of the soldier. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Way, way back. And and Orin was about to open up to Gaius, and Gaius went, go on. And then David cut him off and cut somewhere else. And I wonder whether David's doing it on purpose. Well, I'm sure David's doing it on purpose, Wasn't but I wonder the why. the episode where they were talking it was. about like, yeah, yeah, it yeah, was. Orin yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. having a thing for yeah. soldiers or something? Exactly. Yeah. It was in the episode mm-hmm. where Orin talked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where Orin said stuff. We have a horse. We have a horse. (laughs) Yeah, so So it almost yeah, it almost feels like like David's reigning on the rare occasions where where Ben is about to give us a little bit more info that that David's reigning him back as well. Mm. And I want to know more. Yeah, me too. I, I, I hope we find out more. Again, it's just it's just another delicious thread 
Uh, that will never be uncovered because it's all about spoons, and there were there were two spoons collected in the, <laughs> the second of these episodes. And <laughs> yes, to me, I I thought that they did really well to get both they of them. They did, the, the, yeah. Spoons. Sure, the first one, uh, you know, it, it took a few things. They yeah had all sorts of uh, powers placed upon them. Uh, I yep. think... Did I write this down? Yeah, yeah. So they had fairy fire guidance. Uh, they used enhance, enhance ability on the second one. Uh, Bardic inspiration, magic weapon, Ruana assistance, and then flash of genius for Orin as well. Uh, mm-hmm. And it still took them four attempts to do the first puzzle. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, both, both, both spoons. I, I have to ask though, like if anybody else was playing the, the actual spoons one, uh, mm. The one on the tray. Mm. Do you reckon you would have cheated? Ooh, hmm. probably not. I would have been too scared. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like if I was playing as Dwayne, I would have figured that I could talk my way out of it if I got caught. Yeah, <laughs> you probably could have flirted yeah. her into actually telling you how many spoons are on that tray. Yeah, like I don't need to look. <laughs> I think it would depend. I think it would depend what character I was playing. But I do tend to play characters who are both reckless and sneaky. So probably <laughs> yes. Yep, chaotic good all yeah. the time, and uh, even think, chaotic neutral or just chaos. I, I love it. <laughs> I think yeah, a lot of my characters would have attempted to look, particularly being the first one there, like almost mm. feeling like oh, it's a mistake that I've been left in this room. I can I can look at it now and absolutely would have lost to that challenge and been disqualified but yeah. but does that i was going to say does that mean your entire party is then disqualified i get yeah i would have thought it probably would because he'd know the answer yeah, yeah. Mm. but yeah i love i loved that challenge of just like there was a chance of them getting it right you know okay he didn't he didn't roll the perfect perception check that was needed to see everything mm-hmm. beneath it but david still gave him a chance to guess it like you know if he because what did he he said three on the first one did he Which yeah he did close. yeah yeah <laughs> mm. I wonder if there's like, yeah, I'd be interested. I guess maybe if you had, I guess there's different ways. If you had a character with powers that would allow you to in some way either, uh, especially if you, because you were talking about being disqualified. What mm-hmm. if you had somebody who had, for example, telepathy? Yeah. Yeah. And could go in there and, or like even the message spell. Yeah. And then just like, cause nobody hears you when you cast message. So you can just be silently saying, like information to the people and if even if you get it wrong you can be like well it's not this or this or this or even something like hold person at the right specific moment just as she lifts the yeah the cloth over as well would just give you more time yeah but then again does that qualify you does that count as tampering with it i mean there's also there's good old trusty detect thoughts yeah <laughs> you detect True. thoughts on her yeah okay she'd know that you were delving deeper but mm. there's no rule against it mm-hmm. yeah and also you could just detect thoughts read surface and ask so how many are there? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And she would presumably think of it. Think of yeah. the answer, yeah. Unless she said like, oh yeah, there's 20, but they're in the drawer. <laughs> True. But yeah, it'd be interesting to, yeah. to know as well, like how many of these teams have actually managed to um, to pass Yeah, I wonder if we'll challenges. get that information mm. at any point. Yeah, because it looked like they were all kind of failing that archery one. And yeah. <laughs> the, like, the other team running up to the bow and be like, come on, use it. Oh no, <laughs> the magic weapon's gone. Yeah, and the posts one was an absolute wash. <laughs> like, people yeah, were struggling yeah. with that. I want us to bump into, I want us to bump into the, um, the people from the, the sticky sausage who were doing the eating yeah. competition. Who told them about it in the first place, the guy with the husky voice. I want to bump into them at some mm. point and see how they're getting on with these challenges. Yeah, those people have like eight the next time we see them. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're yeah, still yeah. at like four or five. Like, we've got one left. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was Rosie. Was it Rosie the dwarf? That was it. Rosie yeah, Fe- it was like Ferrier. Yil, Cade and... Oh no, Yil, Yil was the owner, I think. That's right. Yeah. 
but yeah, Cade. Cade is there a marking yeah. on the spoons that tells you which challenge they came from? Don't they have their signed their thing stamped? So you'll know. Yeah, I think they do get stamped. Okay. They get their stamps or their signatures and it tells them where they got them from. I'm going to go ahead and pitch that you wait until you just sit there and wait until an adventuring party comes back with 10. You knock them unconscious, (laughs) uh, use like prestidigitation to create the marks of all of the stamps and then just steal their spoons. And just change the team name as well. Like make their thing. Change it. one way of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take all your custom badges. You can have yeah. my seven pitled star. There you go. <laughs> go solve the drug epidemic. Come back. Steal some. Like, I feel like you bought yourself enough moral goodwill uh, or above moral capital, uh, moral capital to come back and be like, yeah. I'm just gonna cheat at this contest and make. A I mean, they money. were doing it for the prize money, right? So they could get transport. It's yeah. so but elaborate. They, they also just got paid. Yeah, True. so, so it, it was a, it's a five <laughs> it's a five hundred gold piece payout for this competition, yeah. and they've just been given apart from guys, obviously they've all been given two hundred each with the promise of like you know for the 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 risk for reward kind of thing that they got going on now that they'll get more later, and you know they've got horses and carts out of it, so they they don't need to do this no. competition, no, they're, but, but they're they in need it now. to do the competition. They're in it now. <laughs> yeah, they're in it. Can't to blow win their it. cover. <laughs> Gotta get those spoons. It's what the fans want, guys. It's How what- bad will it be if they lose after all this? <laughs> yeah, oh, right. We have like a right. 15, 20 episode like, spoon yeah. arc. <laughs> and then they lose. They get there, they're like eighth. <laughs> yeah. Somebody pickpockets them again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we were going to get more spoons, but we got really distracted by the hex. <laughs> yeah, why, why didn't you go to Fall or Fail, guys? You could get four spoons there easy. Yeah, Muppets. <laughs> Finished it a month ago. <laughs> yeah. It's like the end of the campaign. They're level 20, still haven't finished the spoons competition. <laughs> yeah, still got one more to go. Still can't make any money. I mean, no. the competition's over, but they're still looking for a spoon. There's an army of golems <laughs> just destroying the world, flames, floods, yeah. you know, yeah. all of that Not stuff. Not the spoon the factory! <laughs> Our lives are over. I quit. <laughs> I've decided I'm for the dark. Oh. oh, what a bunch of episodes, guys. Yeah, I can't wait to see where it goes next. I mean, we've yeah. got so many theories on the go about where it could go. It's so difficult to know. But I, I, hope... I think they're going shopping. Uh, well, so, mm-hmm. yeah, we got that. Yeah. And then <laughs> what we demonologist do via Follis yes. Vale. If they get there. I mean, who knows where the spoons could take them next. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or the spiders show back yeah, up. Yeah, I was going to say spider riders. Ooh. Yeah. Oh or they meet the hex again. Or the faceless <laughs> footman somehow makes a reappearance. Or the DeBarge family just show up yep. for yeah. funsies. And yeah. Crowl comes back. Yeah, Crowl's yeah, there. And they bump into Treya. Crowl's around. <laughs> Treya, Treya and Crowl are like hanging yep. out. Yeah. <laughs> Guy's family hunts them down. Right. Yeah. <laughs> They discover oh. there's actually 40 different Enkidus that have been mass produced <laughs> by the, by the, uh, by the, uh, by Erida, and she's just sending them out all over, like, in, on, in the name of the Wingthrop family. Oh my god, what if they get to the end of the spoon competition, they realize it's been won by a team of Enkidus? Ah! <laughs> How crazy would that be? <laughs> oh, it's been won by Myra. Oh, oh I would be so, so angry. You can have your bonnet back now. I don't need it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> David plays such a good snotty child. 
Oh, oh my yeah. god, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. So good. It's I infuriating as well as being like absolutely spot on. Brilliant. Like yeah. Ben's rage, he didn't need to act for that. That was, <laughs> that was so organic. Oh, so brilliant. And this episode of uh Superfan Chats has been such a delight. I've really enjoyed this. Yeah. So fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. Yeah. yeah thank you. Thank you for accepting me into the team. Oh, this has been a lot. Oh, you're, you're always a member of this team. How could Please we come not? back. Such a welcome yeah. addition. Couldn't say no to Dwayne Fabulosa. My God. <laughs> <laughs> we do normally do like a, a favorite moment bit, to be fair, which we haven't done. I think we should. Jeremy, do you have a favorite moment? Uh, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say favorite arc. Uh, actually, no, favorite moment was the Abrica Lads, the birth of the Abrica Lads. Wasn't that in this mm. episode? Or in this in this Ooh, stretch of episodes, I it was either right was, before this or during this. Yeah, it was ever slightly before, but oh, I mean, so, I mean, it's a continuation. You can yeah, have it. since it's you're coming good. in, yeah. Abrica yeah. Lads is my favorite ongoing uh, running gag. I think my favorite thing was probably uh, Robbie's guest run as Alfie. Yeah, uh, they did such Aww. a great job. I think a really yeah. delightful and interesting character, a really great addition to the team. Uh, I, I yeah, I think I hope Alfie comes back again. That was a lot of fun. How how does that rank uh, to like? Hurdy gurdy hullabaloo because I know I know you wanted to say that was your favorite <laughs> oh, yeah. favorite episode. <laughs> um, hmm, I don't know that it, I don't know that uh, I don't know I didn't laugh as much. <laughs> oh, we did. <laughs> yeah. uh, there was quite a lot of uh, there was not enough hurdy gurdy. That's what I'll say. Uh, if there was more hurdy gurdy, I might rank it higher. I think uh, you're, you're just going to have to come back and play more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hmm, maybe I already have. Who knows? Oh, of course you did. Oh, yeah, we got that to look forward to. Yeah. Come on, patrons. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Uh, and this is just a fun thing. Uh, I didn't realize that Grace was missing a recording of No Small Roles back when we were on D&D Celebration. Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. That was, uh, yeah. I don't know if that was what precipitated it or if that was always the plan. Mm. But, uh, yeah, uh, Grace on that episode was was live with me yeah. <laughs> on uh, for D&D Celebration, playing so some cool. Novelist Slowdown Showdown, yeah. So cool. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, if you want to go, ch- I think Grace shouted on the show, but go check out Grace playing a completely different character uh, on, like, the biggest D&D event of the year. So cool. Yeah, the VOD is on YouTube, uh, and then we, we released, Three Black Halflings released a two-part sequel to it uh, on our feed. So if you want more of Grace playing Soraya Rakiza, uh, Yuan T, uh, Glamour Bard, who lives in a, an area of the world underground where time runs slow. Uh, then go, go check that out. Amazing. And Beautiful just generally plug. check Love out it. Three Black Halflings because it is so yep. much fun. It's yes. so good. Such an enjoyable oh, podcast. Yeah. How about you, Hannah? Favorite moment? Your turn. <sighs> uh, I mean, it's so hard to choose because so much happened in these six episodes, but there was just one throwaway comment that mm-hmm. Gwen made that made me laugh so much is when they're talking about frosting and how much it's being manufactured and they're talking about bags of frosting and she just goes yeah I stuck my whole hand in and yeah. everyone's like yeah <laughs> yep we remember that and it was yep. just so like such a throwaway line but it was so funny I just could not like I was giggling away it was great yeah, yeah. her addiction is really becoming a thing and I love it yeah <laughs> It's lovely when you get those those occasional moments that just take you instantly back to another episode. Yeah. That was a good moment. Mm-hmm. And it just pulls together like the whole sense of that world and like, you know, nobody's forgetting things that have actually happened to them. And yeah, mm-hmm. like it's so it makes it so real. 
it's great. It's the second drug addiction running gag that I have experienced in a in a D and D podcast. The other one being Hard One Surefoot on Not Another D and D podcast. Yeah, and both were absolutely <laughs> oh, yeah. delightful. <laughs> I think I'm going to pick so the moment when. Gaius realizes he's getting less money than everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> Just A, because it was hilarious, yeah. but also because of that whole, yes, this is what you did and you're going to literally pay for this and your actions do have repercussions. And it was almost quite passive aggressive from Heron about like, yeah. here you go. I'm not actually going to mention it. We're not going to discuss it, but 120, it's gone. Don't do it again. That kind pricey of thing. music books. I love as well Very the Chris put the whole like uh, I'm gonna mark down eight thousand gold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that, yeah, back, yeah, the tag back to that as well. Yeah. To I the love fists it. clenched Just, moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh yeah, for me, actually, you know, four four different points. Um my favorite bit was again a bit that surprised me where just one bit of like somebody playing absolutely in character brings out this this great bit of conversation. It was the bed chat. I don't know if you remember it basically Orin asks about having you know people have their beds oh, made and it, it started this oh, really like in character discussion yeah. about you know nobility and like what that rewards you and like Enkidu yeah. and what that was like for him growing up and it being weird you know he did his own room but somebody would always come in and do it better I just thought yeah. that was a really good kind of role play moment that seemed to come out of nowhere um yeah, yeah so that was yeah, that, that was, was a nice little pick. moment yeah. Um besides Robbie Bellacom's moments in that because Robbie you are an absolute star guys we've been we've been talking for a long time we have (laughs) hannah had to migrate rooms that's how long we've been talking i know my laptop was like i'm going to die oh guys let's um let's do this again absolutely yeah Yeah. oh i can't wait for the next one and i can't wait to see what happens next i'm really interested to see where all of this all of these different threads go we're we're playing such a long game it feels like every episode it's like are we going to get a little bit more development in this one Mm -hmm. uh there's so many threads uh, that that just are just waiting to be pulled. All those knotted strings, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and this is the point, or it's beginning to be the point where, you know, David is showing us that they are coming back because mm-hmm. there have been all these things that have been dropped and now it really feels like now when they're going back, you know, with like Gaius's actions having repercussions and the frosting and all this stuff is, is actually happening. Yep. It's coming back now. How long can you run from this? Yeah. <laughs> You can't, because a spider will come get you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what, her? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> what, what? I brought the debages. <laughs> Tell you who. Jerry Pip. As horrible as it feels, I think we're going to have to wrap this up. Mm. I know. No. Oh, we could go for another day, surely. See you guys in six episodes then. Yes. <laughs> yes. And if you want to hear those episodes early and get all kinds of other cool stuff, definitely sign up to the No Small Roles Patreon and become a patron and generally get so much cool stuff as well as the yeah. episodes a little bit early. Do it. Like bonus episodes. We got, um, yeah, Jeremy, you've got stuff coming up. Uh, there's like the Woden Isle stuff on there. There's all the stuff yep. with the, uh, the, was the Maestanis? I think that might be on there. There's polls, loads. There's loads. So much happening. So cool. And also, I'm going to say again, check out Three Black Halflings because it is so great. Oh, yes, please do. Thank you. All of these plugs. What are, where are we yeah. going to keep them all? <laughs> You got anything else you you want to plug, Jeremy? Go back and listen to the Dwayne Fabuloso episodes as well. Yes. Let's plug oh, those yeah. as yes. well because yeah. they're great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks. Yeah. Um, anything? I don't. I'm. I feel like I've I've plugged fairly thoroughly. I guess go check out Flintlocks and Fireballs. 
Uh, yeah, if yes. you want to hear more of Robbie, uh, another, I did not realize how many people from that podcast that I knew oh, really? without knowing that they did the podcast. Yeah. Cause, uh, I met Grace, uh, when I joined, um, the adventure is real, which is like a, an online escape room. Yeah. Uh, and actually that was where I met Ben as well. And I did not, yeah, I did not realize that like Jason and, and I think Robbie's involved as well. A number of the people from that company were on Flintlocks and Fireballs. Like they were the people behind it. And so when I saw Flintlocks and Fireballs first, I was like, oh, cool. And then I listened to it. I was like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> I recognize I know, that. I know these people. <laughs> so many connections. Yeah. All those threads. Knotted threads. So go check them all out, people. Yeah. You, you have hours of content awaiting you. What are you waiting for? Go do it. Don't wait for another lockdown. Do it now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, so I guess that's it from us. For that, for now, are we are we going to sign off in the usual way? I think in the traditional fashion. And on for now. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.